You're listening to The Sidebar by NYABJ, a show about the world of media through the lens of Black media makers. I'm Katherine Jones. Why does the world need more Black journalists? Why does the world need more Black journalists? I asked Kim Brunhuber that question, even though his success as a CNN anchor and correspondent is proof enough. From the deaths of the field, Brunhuber amplifies international coverage. He's not only inspired Black journalists to pursue news outside of North America, but he has also empowered them, stepping into newsrooms to guide others on how to give voice to their communities. Now enough of my chatter. Why don't you take a listen from the man himself? Why does the world need more Black journalists? Yeah, I think CNN has amply showed what having um, a fantastic cadre of African-American journalists, um, how important that can be when you look at the way that we've sort of covered the issues of racial inequality that have been roiling this country. Having so many people who've had lived experiences is invaluable. And that's not just when it comes to domestic news in the U.S. I think it's important as well um, when it comes to telling international stories. And just from my experience as um, a person of African descent, being on the anchor desk, I think it comes into play more often than you'd think, uh, having to be a a relentless advocate for diversity and it, and it sounds when you say that like it's some sort of you know special interest but it's often um, fundamental to the story and you look at COVID for example when going through the pandemic you know I was pushing for stories about uh, the disparities between um, black brown and white communities which was a, a huge element of the story literally a matter of life and death. Um, so we would try to get, you know, not just doctors, but black doctors as well, um, talking about the importance of fighting misconceptions in the community, the weight of uh, experience and, and history that um, African-Americans have when it comes to, you know, trust and bringing success stories from the community as well, what works. Um, all those types of things were absolutely critical just to, to show one um, one example. So having people who are aware of these issues and see them not just as marginal or peripheral, but central to the story of the day, even when it's not about necessarily directly about racial inequality or um, police violence or any other number of um hot button topics that we've been covering in this country, but it applies to to so many different things. And it's important that our reporters and journalists reflect that. And um, as well, uh, you know, from my perspective as an international anchor, again, you know, I, I would say my coverage uh, or our coverage on my hours of, of Africa, for instance, um, that is, um, I, I think that's where, again, it's important having that perspective. And there used to be a saying, I'm just <laughs> humming and hawing because I don't think I can necessarily repeat the saying, but uh, you know, it, it, it sort of encapsulated the um, British imperialist 
uh, calculus of how many, you know, Englishmen to foreigners to, you know, dark-skinned foreigners that were needed to die in order to make the, you know, the front pages of the newspaper. Um, so you can, you know, look look that up. Uh, I won't say the words here, but that that was during, you know, Kipling's era. But that applies, I think, just as much now uh, as it did then. The bar for caring is exceedingly high. Uh, uh, that I witness all the time. And as a journalist of African descent, you know, I'm constantly called on to be a gatekeeper to allow those stories through. And, and we always, as journalists, as assignment editors, um, as executives always have reasonable excuses. You know, we don't have the correspondence in place as we do in European countries, uh, we don't have access to video as, as we might do with other places, but there are other organizations uh, that, that you know, do have those resources. So it shows where you put your priorities and it is far too often that we'll be more likely to cover something in New Zealand than Nigeria, for instance, which you know, shouldn't necessarily be the case. So um, I think too much these days, there is, there's no consequence for missing a story that takes place in Africa as opposed to other places. And so I think it's important to have people of African descent in the news to try and uh, write that balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you go right into my next question. So you talk about these hot button topics and in journalism, death sells uh, and you, you know, we're covering violence and illness. And these are the stories that make the news. How do you balance that? How do you balance it showing that these countries are just more than that? You know, these countries are beautiful. They have beautiful people, beautiful cultures. How do you balance that in your coverage? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't think it's necessarily our job to do that. Um, our job is to report the news and the reality of the news is that it uh, is dictated by, um, you know, certain events. And so uh, we do offer other programming, you know, uh, on our on our network that does try and look at uh, the positives, you know, things like Inside Africa, for example, which, which highlights entrepreneurship in, on the continent. Um, but as a news organization, I don't think it's our mandate to try and sort of highlight the positive. I think our obligation is to cover the news and ignoring, even ignoring negative things, I think is, is, um, is a big problem. And so not focusing our spotlight on things, whether it be negative or not, I think that's the bigger sin rather than, um, you know, having too negative a coverage. Bruno Eye for News has broken stories on human rights violations, foreign policy debates, global health, the Olympics, World Cup, you name it. His journey through journalism is full of destinations from Canada to around the world to CNN HQ in Atlanta. He's a face of CNN newsroom, a passport holder with ample stamps, an author, a producer. So right now you're at CNN, so tell me a little bit more about how you got to this point in your career how did i get here well yeah I, I suppose when you know when i come i'm i'm in 
uh, in Ottawa and Canada right now. And so I'm uh, bumping into a lot of <laughs> old friends and, and so on. So when people, uh, when I talk to people now and they say, oh, we always knew when you were young, you know, you end up being a reporter on TV, which is, you know, absolutely untrue because I never wanted to be a reporter when I was young. I wanted to be, uh, you know, Blair Underwood uh, from LA Law. He was basically, I think, the only black lawyer on TV. So uh, that was what I wanted to do. But I got into journalism because I loved writing and figured that would basically be the only way anyone would would ever pay me to write which ended up sort of being true but only <laughs> only sort of um so i went to journalism school and i did uh what most ambitious uh students do with with uh, student loans they take a year off after they graduate so i was sort of disillusioned with journalism and the cozy insular world of you know journalists and politicians and sources that I was seeing um that was especially true here in, in Ottawa that would be the you know the American equivalent of inside the beltway in, in Washington so I, I moved to Toronto I wrote most of what would uh, be my um novel that I published uh, I worked a, a variety of of jobs there and then I realized I missed telling stories there was you know around every corner there was something interesting and I had the urge to translate that experience into into story form so and then I realized basically I'm, I found my calling I just hadn't found the right outlet for it so I went back to school did a, a master's in journalism specialized in tv and then um, began my uh, career. So I, I worked uh, for about a decade in local news, but I always, my dream was always to work internationally. And um, it seemed, especially then, that the, you, you know, you have to wait your turn. And that seemed like an, an interminable wait. There were, you know, very few. Uh, foreign correspondents of, of color, uh, especially um, in Canada, but elsewhere as well. And so um, I decided to go to to Africa to um, to write, to freelance, and and connect with my family and my roots there, um, which which has you know in some way contributed to where I am now. Many of the experiences that I got from freelancing in places around the world as a one-person uh, MMJ helped give me the experience that was invaluable later, both as a, a network foreign correspondent and ultimately here at CNN um, as an anchor. You can, you know, uh, it goes without saying that if you've been to a country, if you've experienced things there, you can draw on your experiences, geographical, political, social, um, having contacts that you can call, you know, when, when there was a, uh, a story in Sierra Leone, you know, not too long ago, I was able to call on local journalists that I knew and we were able to get a live report uh, up on the phone because I, you know, I'd known him and worked with him in Afghanistan as well. I mean, that was um, very, very, um, yeah, it was a very powerful 
sort of story to tell the fall of Kabul uh, when I was calling, you know, people I'd worked with stories, sources on other stories um, to, to, to walk us through what was happening. I mean, you can imagine, um, you know, I years ago have been doing a piece in, in Kabul about the resurgence of, you know, women's filmmaking in Afghanistan. And then now, however many years later, talking to them about how they were too scared to go out of the door and their daughters literally can't go to school and to see the, the reverse of the country through those um, eyes and to, to speak with the people that I'd met, you know, years ago, it was, it's very powerful. Um, I don't think that answers. <laughs> I don't remember what your original question was. Why are we here? here. <laughs> No worries. Okay, so we'll get back to uh, Sierra Leone in a minute, but I want to go um, more into how you went from local to international. So how did you kind of sell yourself to these international jobs, you know, saying that, hey, I, I have a past in local, uh, take a chance on me and send me into the international world? Yeah, boy, that, that path was, was uh, uh, a tough one. Um you know, for me, I think it, it, it sort of, I had to, you know, always my advice to people is you, you may have to, you know, go a step backwards in order to, to go, you know, two steps forward and not to be afraid of that. And so, you know, for me, I didn't parley this experience directly into, you know, um, a network job and so on at all became part of my my experience and and background so um i went from local reporting to doing this and then got another job back in canada as a local reporter again but um uh then i got a job as a national correspondent in canada um but then when those opportunities came to go and and do reporting as a you know one man mmj uh, and there were, you know, stories to be told. I could say, well, listen, this is something I've done. I have the experience. Um, so it became a, a very important part of my, you know, resume and per portfolio that I had had those experiences traveling and um, was able to to shoot and edit in very difficult places under uh, dangerous conditions. And so that's kind of how that came about. And so you've gotten the chance to work with local reporters and train local reporters. So what has that been like? Um, you know, do you feel like you are able to be accepted, you know, in these countries that you are not a national of and, you know, fit in with the local media? Uh, is there some pushback? Yeah. Um, it depends. I mean, every country is completely different. So that's why I, I, I hesitate because you know, the media situation in, you know, Ghana is completely different than it would be in, in Sierra Leone or in, in Afghanistan. Um, so I think if there's a overall narrative um, that you could draw through all of those experiences, yeah, the media is a, uh, a family and you know, you're very quickly accepted into that family, regardless of where you came from. Uh, the thing you have to be 
extremely um, careful not to do is to sort of, uh, you know, come down as the 800 pound gorilla and, you know, bring your, you know, um, biases and, um, you know, modes of operation and everything else and say, this is the way we did it back in, you know, in Washington or wherever else. And this is the way we're going to do it here, disregarding local customs, um, local practices, disregarding local experience. I mean, we would be nowhere if we didn't have the local journalists who, who you know, when we talk about um, our, our fixers, right? I mean, those are, you know, nine times out of 10, they're local journalists who are coming and helping us often under very dangerous um, circumstances and, and to them and their families. And you have to have those, um, that expertise to guide you through the story, whether it's in you know, yeah, Afghanistan or any other places, um, even if they're not war zones, you still need their expertise to navigate you through um, all of these stories and we can be very arrogant um, when we arrive and we you know think this is the way things should be done and to um, you, you ignore their advice and expertise at your peril so but they are they're just such an integral part to the way we gather news um, that it, it can't be overstated and then how do you deal with being a fish out of water? These are local journalists. This is their area. And they kind of have an easier time connecting with the locals there. But you, you know, you speak a different language. You are of a different culture, a different race. How do you get locals to trust you to be able to tell their story? Yeah. Um, what's, you know, very interesting often is just the local, how, um, wherever you go, the preciousness with which stories are either you know held or withheld or proffered uh, changes drastically um, depending on what country you're in uh, some are just you know could not wait to tell you their story would would you know run literally down the street when they heard a journalist was here and couldn't wait to to tell you their story and other places it's completely different and certainly you know, a woman would, you know, have a much uh, harder time telling you their story than a man would for cultural reasons and in other places, you know. Um, yeah, so, so often, often we come in with our, with our cameras blazing and, and we sort of start firing away. And I think what really helps to break down barriers is to put the cameras away, spend time with people, um, down with them gain their trust uh, often when you come into a community you'll have to spend time talking to the local you know politicians and and um, you know let's say the the, the the head people in the village or whatever it is and I think a lot of time you know we're, we're too eager to sort of get our, our notebooks out and to, to start doing the you know doing the job let's say right away and the more time that you can afford to spend um, speaking with people without uh, without the cameras and to sort of get to know them, gain their trust that way. The, the, our current um, need for speed 
our timelines are shorter, our deadlines are are more numerous, uh, is a challenge to this very vital approach of slow journalism. So you have these two opposing forces um, crashing against each other. And how do you think newsrooms can better help aspiring Black journalists uh, who hope to go into foreign news? Yeah, that's a tough question. Um, because, uh, yeah, I, I've not... I've not seen it, <laughs> so I'll, I'll talk about something that's theoretical. But I, I know, you know, for example, at, at CNN, there is um, mentor mentoring that, that happens. There are opportunities for mentorships and so on. Uh, I think that is vital, having insider knowledge and having the allies and taking advantage of a bit more institutional knowledge, which a lot of other people have benefited from which you know African Americans have not necessarily had because we don't have the same pipeline of, um, of allies throughout the system and especially in in management and in upper um, uh, upper executive positions so I think mentorship is absolutely crucial and I'm starting to see a lot more of that now, which is fantastic. So how can our listeners see more of your work? <laughs> Get up really, really early. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, my hours are, are a challenge. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't necessarily encourage them to uh, watch at 4 a.m. on a on a Saturday, but uh, that's uh, that's the reality. So yeah, my my hours are uh, definitely a challenge. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for speaking to the Sidebar by NYABJ. It was a pleasure talking to you. I learned so much, and I know our listeners are you know writing notes and are excited to hear more about you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, I think it's a great. Yeah, great thing that you're doing, and I'm glad to see that there's there's a proliferation of these sorts of um, things that weren't always um, there when I was coming through. So um, that's fantastic. The Sidebar is a production of the Greater New York Chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists. The opinions heard in this episode belong to the individuals who express them, and not to NYABJ. The music in our show theme is by Holes in the Raps, and I'm Katherine Jones. Subscribe now to join us for more conversations and industry insights straight from the source. <laughs>